You're listening to the No Name Photo Show, the podcast dedicated to lively conversations about the creativity, business, and technology of photography. I'm your host, Brian Matias. Let's chat. All right, everyone, welcome back to the No Name Photo Show, episode 55. Uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit about why it there was a hiatus with the show, but we are back. I have, uh, you know, I'm very excited about today's episode and especially about today's uh, guest, who is very fortunate to call a good friend. Um, and so here's the thing. This, the, the person who is on today's episode, I've, it's been a long time coming. We've been talking about uh, having her on for a while, and now, you know, the stars have aligned. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, when I, when I think about, um, so today, just to, let's just get it out there. We'll just kind of like lift the curtain. Um, my guest today is Aaron Bobnick. So again, one, I, I, I love the fact that I get to call Aaron a friend. Um, I've been very, very fortunate one to have followed her career for years, but even more so to have been, uh, a, a participant in what was it two months ago already? I can't believe Aaron. It's been two months. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> Time flies. But I was a participant on her winter Dolomites workshop in Italy with uh, another just, you know, great friend and amazing photographer, Sean Bactro, who is your co-leader. Um, first, Aaron, l- let me just say, here, here's the thing. I've always considered you a photographer's photographer. And anyone who knows me knows that is, in my opinion, the highest form of praise that I can give another photographer. Um, oh, well, that's very, very kind of you, Brian. For sure. The thing is, you're, what I love about you, your approach to photography is it's so, it's multifaceted and multidimensional. It's not just, you're not just this person who just spouts out about gear, like, oh, it's all about the gear. And, but although you have, you can, you know, talk gear with the best of them, it's that you approach your photography with such a meticulous care like it, it, every time i see one of your photos you can tell and i i know this to a deeper degree because as part of your workshop and the presentations that you provided when you show just the me- methodology that goes into the composition that goes into the stylization you know how you approach it you don't see that very often in most cases you see photographers who are just spraying and praying um and just they'll pick you know their favorite one out of the batch but with you you put in the work you do the research you make the hikes and uh you know you get the shot and so i want to thank you aaron so much for being here because um, you know i I'm, I'm so happy i think the audience has so much to learn from you um and before uh, you know you get a chance to kind of talk about what you're up to and tell everyone what you're doing um, for those of you that are interested in learning more about aaron you can go to her website, which is uh, aaronbobnik.com, which is E-R-I-N-B-A-B-N-I-K.com. Um, so Aaron, just what are you up to? Where are you in the world? Well, firstly, let me just say thank you very much for all those very kind words, Brian, and back at you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on a show with a friend. Uh, but right now, what I'm up to is all of that kind of unglamorous stuff that happens um, in between uh, the hiking and all the the you know, the art making and the stuff that you just mentioned. I'm basically getting in a little bit of office time in the one space that I have available to me right now for doing that. And I'm just really doing a lot that is um, 
the kind of thing that just needs to get done, kind of stuff that needs to get done. So I'm uh, working on getting my 2020 workshop uh, schedule all squared away so that I can finally get that uh, unveiled. And um, there's a whole lot of stuff that needs to be done in advance of that. Workshops are a lot of work if you're going to do them right. So just just working very hard on that. And then I'm on a tear with uh, interviews, <laughs> speaking of which, this is one of, ooh, I think six that I'm doing over about a four-week period because they just cut, got kind of backed up. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, it's all that kind of stuff. And then I'm about to fly back to uh, the U.S. in about a week because I'm giving a talk for Canon in Los Angeles. So if anybody's in that area, I hope they'll look out for that. Uh, that will be <clears throat> on the seven virtues of a creative landscape photographer. And I'm giving that there at the uh, Canon Experience Center in the Los Angeles area. And then um, I have a little bit of traveling to do. I'm also doing a little workshop for Canon down there. And then I'm um, doing some uh, some research of some areas I want to go exploring uh, before I have to come back here for my summer workshops. Oh, uh, is it a summer Dolomites workshop? One is the French Alps. Mm, I really yep. want to do the summer version. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Oh yeah. Summer Dolomites is, is a huge amount of fun. And, and the French Alps is just very different and lots of fun for different reasons. So it's, it's always exciting to get back into the mountains every summer and uh, strap on the boots and do some hiking and all of that. That isn't really a part of the winter workshop. Yeah. I mean, oh, and that's the thing is, um, you know, with the winter workshop and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I think it's important to talk about that where, um, as far as a, a, give, a location, like just, you know, I've been to the Dolomites with you guys. That does not mean that I am done with the Dolomites. Shooting that region. <laughs> I should hope not. There's no, a lot to do there. <laughs> there is, but, but it, even just by going seasonality, you've got, you know, the winter, that was one very, you know, specific type of, mindset at least for me the approach is very much a lot of telephoto yeah. uh focusing on you know shapes and color of and light and then when i've seen the photos from your summer workshops um you know from like you, you know you have your alumni like mustafa who's been on the summer where that you have all these wide angle opportunities you've got foreground elements like the wildflowers and, and pathways and streams yeah. uh, it's just a completely it's the same region but completely different approach yeah yeah, the wide um, angle lenses come out a lot more in that one. <laughs> yeah, my 12 to 24 definitely felt uh, underutilized on a trip, whereas the 100 <laughs> to 400 was like, you know, yeah, baby. It was Picking like 98% of my stuff shot. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, so Aaron, um, the topic that we have set today, again, on top of just being generally so happy to have you on the show, uh, I've always considered you one of uh, like a, a font of knowledge and one of the foremost. I would say, um, resources or experts on this particular topic. It's a topic that we've kind of uh, on the show talked about to one degree or another because it's hard to avoid, but it has to do with, of course, social media, but more importantly, the, the, the in some cases, disastrous effects that it has had, not so much on landscape photography, but on the actual um, ecology, the ecosystems, um, where all it's not just photographers, it's just millions and millions of tourists who don't maybe know any better or don't care where they descend onto some place because they see it, you know, say tagged uh, on a on a post on Instagram 
and it becomes, it's an untenable, the, the natural environment is unable to support that kind of foot traffic. And so what I, what I want to do is, you know, get your take on what the responsibilities are of photographers, uh, of tourists uh, to, to kind of, if anything, kind of spread the gospel for, for this, because you're starting to like, for instance, you're seeing, I just saw an article the other day, I think Travel and Leisure posted that at uh, Horseshoe Bend in, near Page, Arizona. Now they're imposing um, a parking fee, which they never had before. Uh, they, they started building fences because um, yeah. it just, you know, you have millions of people descending on an area that is very, very small. Uh, so, yeah. so just at a high level, Aaron, if you can kind of uh, tell me what, like your, your 30,000 foot uh, elevator pitch of what that means to you. Uh, of what the renovations, so to speak, oh, <laughs> of no, natural I'm sorry. sites mean? Or? No, just the gener- the impact of social media and, and you know, what you believe your, um, your call is uh, as, a, as a photographer, as a, as a, you know, very, very experienced workshop leader. Uh, what, is, what do you see your responsibility uh, here? What is it? Uh, well, I'll, there actually there are there. I think there are several questions in there, but I'll just to start with that last <laughs> one. Sure. <laughs> um, and I and I, I my responsibility is absolutely massive and important and essential. I, I would say that much because I'm a workshop leader, so that puts me in a unique position to actually have some kind of positive uh, influence um, in this. Uh, in this problem. And as you know, um, in all of my workshops, I make a big deal out of it uh, about protecting environments, about being aware of the, of the potential ways in which they can be um, uh, compromised or harmed, um, and also the ways that we can go about protecting them. Uh, so um, you, you had to sit through that. And so do all of the people who take my workshops. I do a big yeah. leave no trace um, lecture. Yep. Uh, I want to actually touch on that for a second, Aaron, if it's okay to interrupt, because I think this is very, very important. So um, I mentioned at the intro that I had uh, participated in Aaron's uh, Winter Dolomites workshop. It's the first, I'm sure, of uh, many that I'll be a part of. And like any, I've led workshops. This this was actually the second time I've ever actually been a, a participant of one. And so what I found very refreshing as a as a photographer and as a a fellow workshop leader is that Aaron took this, like, it wasn't like just like a a bullet point. There was a significant amount of time that Aaron spent talking about um, this responsibility about um, why, you know, you really should pay extra attention to how you share your photos in terms of speaking of uh, geotagging or sharing the location. And, And here's the distinction that I really need to make about where Aaron's coming from compared to where I think what the knee-jerk response is when someone hears, like, if, if someone asks Aaron, like, where did you take that? And, you know, and, and Aaron, I want you to be able to, <laughs> you, I know you have kind of like your stock answers to that, which we talked about um, in one of the taxi cabs, but it's not that Aaron is, feels that this is proprietary information or she doesn't want to share it because she's like greedy. It's complete opposite. Unfortunately, the, for lack of better words, the world has kind of forced her hand. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm maybe so bold to speak for you, because I believe that it's, done, it's forced my hand, where I simply don't trust people anymore to, to do the right thing, to be able to take care of nature first uh, before they're, the, 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 you know, doing it for the gram, so to speak. So, so 
you know, I can tell you, Aaron, that I am very appreciative of that, that that's how you approach your workshops, that you have this strong policy. Um, you, you follow the leave no trace principles, you believe in them. And as a steward of that, I love that you try to deputize your workshop attendees. You try to impart on them this information so that hopefully they, it, it makes an impact on them and then they can make an impact on their friends and family and maybe we can get back to a point where people actually respect nature instead of, you know, prioritizing their photography. Well, yes. Um, and thanks for noting all of that. I, I, I think it's also, um, you know, just, I like the, the word deputizing that you used, you know, I think it is uh, incumbent upon me to make people aware of these issues um, and to, to educate them on what they can do to be a positive force in protecting nature. Um, and I also um, believe that I, what I can do is share with people um, the wonders that can be had uh, through exploration and that sort of thing by explaining to them whenever I go to a place, um, my history with it you know, and how, how I, because most of the places that I, that I take people in my workshops are places that I found on my own. I'm not someone who goes to the hotspot locations that I've just picked up from others, you know? So, um, I think that's partly, uh, but that's part of the education is to bring mm -hmm. people to places, explain to them, well, you know, uh, I was hiking along that trail one day and I saw this over there and I thought, saw that on a map and I thought, well, I'll, maybe that would work out for me. So I went over there another time and explored that. And, and just in explaining all of the, the processes of, of finding places and exploring and everything, um, I'm sharing with people a love of that process. And I think that is one side of the coin of getting people not to keep sort of concentrating in these, in these areas. But the other side of the coin is if they do go to these wonderful areas that have high concentrations because they are very, very special, um, they should be armed with information about how they can leave no trace once they're there. Uh, so I have for years, for example, Death Valley, I make a really big deal out of this because there are some areas there that are particularly delicate, um, but uh, and also in the Eastern Sierra. Uh, when I take people out, for example, to apply of mud tiles, something like that can change a lot in a short period of time. Um, it can look utterly different from one week to the next, depending on what storms do and how much new mud they bring in. But it can also sit and look the same way for a couple of years. Uh, and that did happen to one very famous mud playa in Death Valley that I have been taking groups to for uh, many years. And uh, it got kind of trampled after about, um, oh, I don't know. Well, when I first started going there, no one knew about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I would tell people, don't step on the edges of the mud tiles, Do, you know, and I would t totally direct them. And I probably annoyed a lot of them on how to walk on them and how, how not to mess it up. Um, but that cat got out of the bag. And then uh, a lot of people had geotagged this place. And uh, it, finally, the day came when I showed up there and usually there was nobody else there ever, ever, ever. And, you know, and I'd be there with my, my little group of workshop attendees. Um, and we have the whole place to ourselves. One day I showed up and there must have been a, a dozen photographers already there. I was shocked. I couldn't believe mm. it. So, um, uh, 
shortly after that, the place just started to look really worn down, like about a, like a herd of elephants had just run through there. Now, this is a place, like I said, that will refresh itself eventually. So um, getting trampled like that, well, it was unfortunate. It did get um, to the point where trying to photograph there was getting more limiting because some of the areas, it just looked utterly trampled. I, I remember seeing this uh, one uh, person's uh, series of photos on Facebook where he had brought his his daughter or son out or something. And um, the child had, while the father was photographing and, and just having fun out there, the child was having fun as kids do, like pulling up the mud tiles and throwing them around and just digging a little hole <laughs> in the mud yeah. pile and stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and um, so, okay, so this is a place that's going to eventually refresh itself you know, or, or it'll just get completely demolished and that mud tile, you know, by a storm or something. And then, um, it may, that may be the end of it. That happens to some of these players, uh, for, you know, they don't get refreshed. They just kind of get wiped out. Um, so, uh, that's just an example of a place where even in that kind of context of where, well, it may not be doing long-term ecological damage. It's still something that you want to preserve even so that photographers are going to come in behind you can enjoy it too and have that sense of wildness that you did you know yep. and not see a place that's been trampled <laughs> you know um but then there then you just take that whole scenario and now let's transfer that over to a place where there are wildflowers or something like that mm -hmm. um in fact let's make an even let's make it even more um okay uh, let's well, something that's uh, a personal experience of mine. Uh, another place where in the Dolomites and I'll just, it shall remain nameless, but it's a place mm -hmm. where um, I started taking groups some years ago and uh, I'd never heard of any workshops ever going there before. And when I first went there, I could only ever find a single other photo of it. And it was, um, that was of a, you know, landscape photographers, not, not a snapshot, I mean, but you know, someone who had actually tried, <laughs> you know, to make something out of it. Yep. So it was, it was kind of, you know, not on the map sort of thing uh, for landscape photographers. Um, but slowly yet again, um, as more and more really exciting photos started coming out, um, more people started going there. And one year, uh, again, the unthinkable happened. I, I always had the place all to myself with my groups and then when, one year I show up and there are a couple of tents pitched, bam, right on top of the wildflowers uh, that we normally used as foregrounds. Wow. And yeah. And um, I was just shocked. And I thought, oh, this is such a pity because for on two levels, for one thing, they're right on top of the wildflowers um, and that's going to kill them. Uh, for another thing, they're right on top of the wildflowers and now we can't photograph them. <laughs> um, you know, and for a third thing, it's illegal to pitch a tent anywhere around there. There you go. Um, in, anywhere in that entire national park, it is illegal. Yeah. So I went inside. Uh, There's an establishment not far from there um, where you can sleep. It's a refuge, refugio. And um, I went in and talked to the owner who, who knows me. And I said, hey, um, you know, there's a couple of people pitch tents. I've never seen that before. And he said, yeah, I know. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, but what can I do? I'm not the police. But he said, but if you want to talk to them, they're in the next room. Um, they're having dinner. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So he was, he was happy to serve them dinner. But, so um, I, I went over there. And I, and the whole time I'm just thinking, well, these are hikers. You know, and they don't know any. But firstly, they they just don't know any better that they shouldn't pitch tents on top of 
things that grow. And right. secondly, <laughs> that they um, shouldn't be pitching tents at all, period, that it's illegal. Um, but, you know, uh, there are probably some hikers from who knows where. And, uh, you know, they just don't know these things be- probably from some area where you can you can do that wherever you want. And they don't know the Dolomites. And they also don't know that photographers like to photograph this scene, you know, because it's a very photogenic scene and people like to use, you know, those uh, flowers as a foreground. They probably don't know any of this. So I'll go up there and I'll very politely explain it to them. <laughs> this is my idea. So I go into the uh, into the dining room and I go up to them and they're two women. And uh, as soon as I go up to say something, they look at me and I, I started talking a little bit about what I had to say and I was just being very polite and their eyes got really big and one of them just sort of stood up and said, are you Aaron Bobnick? <laughs> and I, the sinking feeling came over me because I thought, oh my goodness. Um, so they're photographers <laughs> and they may very well be here because of something that some, you know, ball that I set into motion at some point. Mm. Um, so I felt really kind of sick to my stomach at, the, <laughs> at that point. And, uh, and then they wanted to shake my hand. Oh, love your work. So nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of, um, you know, made put me back a little bit off of my plan to, you know, be very kind of firm about the fact that they needed to move the tents, even though I still mentioned it to them. I tried to explain it to them and they said, oh, well, we really wanted to illuminate the tents at midnight for a Milky Way photograph. And I oh. just was like, yeah, it was space palm. <laughs> oh, man. Really? Like, Thank nothing you, I Instagram. Just said, yeah. <laughs> so nothing that I just said is really registering, is it? And, and, yeah. and they said, well, where should we move the tents? Off to the side. I'm like, you can't pitch a tent legally anywhere in this park. It's completely illegal. They even have it in English on the, on the park's website, you know? Right. And, um, and so uh, there was some confusion on my part when I left I thought that they were saying that they were going to move the tent it also turns out one of them was Italian and one of the other was Swiss hmm. uh, so they should know better um, and so on every level they should know better <laughs> you know yeah. as people from that area and as photographers they should just know better but um, we went so I went back out with my group and I'd already walked my group before we even found the tents I'd already walked them around uh, about a, a two hour, maybe eh, about an hour walk uh, around for many, many, many other angles and options. I'd shown them everything. So we're going to end with the classic view and then you can take your pick. You know, you don't have to do the classic view. There's all this other cool uh, stuff on offer all the way around. Well, of course, a lot of them want the classic view. Um, but but I did I w- did manage to sell other positions <laughs> to some of them. So <laughs> people were pretty spread out and they were, they were pretty okay that they couldn't shoot that scene with the tents in the way. Um, but there were enough of them close by the tents that I kept circling around as I was going around to help people. And those tents never left. And uh, the two women came out of the uh, the hut and um, went into the tents. And that was that. And they didn't mm. say anything. And they didn't ever move the tents. And later I did see those photos end up on Instagram of their tents lit up with the Milky Way. <laughs> so, Well, well as they, long as they got a lot of likes for it, then it's, it's all worth <laughs> it, right? So, I mean, yeah. I no, think it, anyway to get back to where I think you were going with the uh, my approach, um, and we were talking about it in the car. I think you're 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 getting at my black and white policy about talking about locations, right? Should I just explain yeah. that? Okay. Please, absolutely. I <laughs> yeah, think it's important. So, I think yeah, it's important so, because here's the thing: 
you know, there are a lot of listeners who undoubtedly follow you and know you. And I, I, there is, for lack of better words, influence when someone like you explains what you do and why you do it. And it almost lends, gives credence. And it, it's like, maybe I should be doing this too. I know I do it. Um, and, and there's, it, it, because it is, this is, as far as photography goes, this really is one of the epidemics for us right now. This is a, a very, very real, pervasive um, problem. So please share it. Yeah. So um, I came up with this a long time ago and I've stuck with it. Um, people will find out where places are, of course, but, um, and there's another part to this, but I'll leave that aside for a moment. But basically, uh, there is no such thing as a place that doesn't need to be protected. In my view, it's that black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, um, in sort of, um, in, in accordance with the Leave No Trace uh, organizations, uh, guidance principles that you not reveal, uh, that you not promote locations um, specifically. Um, I I just take this approach that I don't care where it is or what it is. If it's right by the side of the road, if it's Mesa Arch, I'm not going to tell you where it is or what it's called. <laughs> you know, I yep. don't care how famous it is. I don't care how accessible it is. Um, if, if as far as it's you know sharing the ex the exact place of the location goes. Um, in a way that it's going to spread to millions, um, that is, you know, some kind of caption or um, a geotag or any of that sort of thing. I'm not going to do it. I don't care where it is. You know, so I'm very, very vague about uh, my, my uh, location information. So when I tag a place, I might just say the Dolomites. In fact, exactly. I think that's what I've said for every single Dolomite shot I've ever put out. Um, for Duff Valley, it just just Death Valley. <laughs> you know, that's it. Sometimes I just say Mojave Desert. Uh, you know, so I just keep things really, really vague. It gives someone a basic idea of what country and what, you know, general region it's in. And, and that's enough, I think, especially for something that's going to go on the internet, on social media, and millions of people are going to see that. So that's that's the kind of the policy I came up with. And I said, that way I don't have to make a decision whether this place is, eh, you know, does it qualify? I don't know. People know about it. I think people know about it. Yeah, I can just tell. I'll just yeah. tell people where it is, you know. I don't have to make those decisions. Uh, but the other side of this is um, the whole social media thing. And I think we can get into that a little bit later. But I have a lot to say about what, where, how exactly I think social media factors in besides the fact that it can reach millions of people. Yeah. I mean. It, you know, here's the thing, you know, this, this has become a problem when actual local tourism boards are getting into this, um, you know, fight for lack of better words, you know, in December of last year, Jackson hole, you know, major, major town in Wyoming. Um, they put out an entire campaign and it, it went quite viral. It was a very famous, uh, campaign where they were advocating for people to Go ahead, post the photo all you want. Just maybe trash the location tag. And they, they actually created a, a generic, like if you have to tag it with a location, they have one called Tag Responsibly Keep Jackson Hold Wild. And it's just a generic tag. It won't point to anywhere um, you know, near um, the Jackson Hole. And it's gotten to this point where actual tourism boards are, are pleading with the tourists who are their lifeblood yeah. to just, guys, like, please stop being like you take a just be a little careful and it's not you know worth unfortunately 
Unfortunately, Aaron, and yeah, I don't, uh, with the social media stuff, there's this um, weird, uh, you know, people, there's, they, they just need to have their photos liked and, and they need to kind of uh, bow to the algorithm gods. And one of the ways to do that is like to put location tags. So um, it, it's unfortunate that people are putting their own, I guess, vanity you know, over the sanctity of, of these yeah. precious, precious, uh, you know, natural landscapes. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it always saddens me. You were talking about the, the mud tiles and yes, they'll refresh themselves. And then you talked about wildflowers, something that once da damaged or killed, you know, that's, that's, that's not coming be, back. That's not coming back. And then <laughs> the same fact, thing. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the end part of that I forgot to mention is, that was a few years ago, and when it came back the next year, I have photographs of it. Uh, flowers, big hole where tent was. Flowers, big hole where second tent was. Flowers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. There are several trails uh, throughout, lesser-known trails throughout the Columbia River Gorge that used to be like these verdant lichen and moss, uh, you know, green and soft and lush, and uh, you, you know, you go back. This is something I know, you know, our, uh, Sarah Marino, who's a, you know, another great landscape photographer. Um, she she uh, talks about this and I've talked about this where it just gets trampled on by people. And I mean, once you rip off moss off like a rock or, or the ground, you know, that's done. It's done. It's yeah. gone. It's going to take however long for, for it to form if it ever will form again. Yeah. Or ferns. And or Without ferns. mentioning a specific spot to draw more people there, there is a spot in the Columbia River Gorge that's famous for having had all, all of its ferns trampled in exactly the spot where a certain famous photographer took a certain famous photo. <laughs> there yep. used to be ferns in that shot, and there are no more because everyone was literally lining up. I know people who were there in the heyday of it, and there was a line to go take the shot. The shot, you know? Yep. <laughs> Literally a line. You had to stand in line to get over there. And this is not an accessible location, uh, except that it's very near Portland, which is a big city. And the gorge itself is just awash with photographers. So in that sense, it's um, it's impacted heavily by, you know, it's, a, it's, it's accessible in that regard. But to get to that specific spot, everyone talks about, you know, the physical effort that's necessary. And yet this happened. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. So I mean, to that end, maybe let's talk about the, the I guess, organizations and people like yourself who are taking steps to try to educate people to, in the hope of curtailing um, this epidemic. So you mentioned um, the Leave No Trace Foundation? Uh, yeah. Or the organization? Mm-hmm. Um, and so why don't you, do you want to talk a little bit about that in terms of like what your thoughts are um, of their principles and uh, you know, if you have any other organizations or tips, uh, things that, that people could consider uh, to do their part. Well, um, I mean, any any of these organizations that are putting an emphasis on uh, protection, um, you know, it's it's great that they're there. And but the extent to which people are actually paying attention to it <laughs> is going to be uh, a whole other issue, right? So it's. It's great that those organizations are out there. I mention Leave No Trace uh, a, a lot, and I actually show little uh, bits of stuff from their website in my slideshows. 
um, in, during my orientations. Um, but I think that what needs to be done uh, is for people to find ways to educate each other. Like education needs to be the solution. And in, in my opinion, I've heard a lot of people want to go the other direction and work more on limitations and penalizing. Um, and I really feel like that's a losing battle. Um, Interesting. You know, yeah. Uh, I think that the more that we get people to understand what's at stake and how to protect it, um, the better off everyone will be. Uh, there will always be those bad apples who just want to wreck things, but that's actually not your average person. It's not your average photographer. Average photographer just wants to go out and have fun and produce photos. And yeah, a lot of them want to get a lot of likes on social media and they, you know, they want that photograph that they saw that they want their version of it and, and all of that. So my uh, feeling is it's not a matter of keeping people out, limiting them, putting boundaries, telling them don't go there, but to educate them and give them other option to other opportunities, other ideas. Um, so there are two ways to have people go into areas, and one of them is that, that are really healthy. One of them is fully educated, <laughs> um, right. uh, and the other is guided, but either way with that education coming with the guidance, you know, uh, those are the two ideals. Um, but either way, I, I think education is what underlies this this problem as, as a solution. Um and in some maybe, you know, very specific places where it's just nothing else is working and those places are just heavily, heavily impacted, well, then I guess some sort of limitation is going to end up being necessary. But that's unfortunate. And that should be ex for only extreme cases. I don't think we need to take this principle that, you know, people should just stay out of the wilderness and they should just stay out of nature and better still. Um, teach people how to go into the wilderness, how to go into nature. So I personally put out a series of little videos on on Instagram and my stories showing people saying, like, I know you guys are going to come out to these places like mud tiles and some of these other uh, environments where you could leave a trace. Um, here's how to walk on it. And I actually made a little video of how to walk on mud tiles so that you don't break them. Um, which it can be done. You just don't walk in the edges of the big ones and yep. they, they won't break. And the little ones, the little tiny ones, they just look like they don't even change when you walk over them. And it's the same thing with like, uh, let's say salt flats. Uh, you can go out on the really hard salt flats, even when they're wet and you can go and stomp around on that all you want. You will not make it, it a bit of difference. You won't see anything change. You know, you won't see footprints. You won't have altered it because it's hard as rock under, under a lot of that. But as soon as you start to see uh, anything dirt come up or something and you're breaking through the salt, get off. Right. Don't go there. <laughs> you know, um, that, if you're in an area where it looks like you're just going to totally muck it up and trash it uh, in a way that it's going to remain that way possibly for years, um, you know, go find something else to do. So that, this is, uh, you know, and, but in some areas, if you're if you're very um, cautious and you don't step on the wildflowers, but you step around the wildflowers, you can slide through there without making without leaving a trace. Uh, and it what it takes for someone to do that is the willingness to do that, firstly, and then also the knowledge of how to go about it. You know, so I actually showed pictures of my feet, and this is how I walk in this area, knowing that people are going to go to these places. Um, you know, rather than saying. 
don't go there. So the the idea of withholding um, location information isn't that I don't feel as though we need to limit people from the wilderness, but we need to slow it down and redirect people's attention to a broader area of, of the the world. Let, let them go out and explore other areas with an, the education in mind that the reason that places are hard to find is because they need to be protected. You know, so it goes hand in hand with the education. Absolutely. And, and I, th- I think that's, that's certainly the more mature and the, the, the more, I would say, uh, the healthier approach. Uh, and it is, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, um, I, I, the, for me, the, the one example where you unfortunately, you'll have to use the stick and not the carrot is like Multnomah Falls. And, it, you know, it is, it has become untenable, that area with the amount of tourists that go to it because it is such a picturesque waterfall. As you know, we were talking about the Columbia River Gorge. It's just yeah. one of those places that everyone knows. And, you know, they're, they were now talking about instituting a, an entire ban and just requiring shuttles similar to how Zion National Park operates um, in the spring summer season uh-huh. where you can't drive through the park. You have to take the shuttle. Um, is that because it was getting trashed? Or is this getting difficult? No, the falls. Oh, it's just because the 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 amount of traffic that was uh, off of uh, I eighty four as well as the Columbia River Gorge Historic Highway, people were just kind of standing there blocking traffic, mm. um, waiting for a parking spot, and yeah. uh, and so and because that historic highway is kind of the that's the road. It's kind of like the waterfall circuit. It takes you to a bunch of different waterfalls. That really impacts people, especially in the summer season when people are out of school and uh, people are visiting, they want to see it. You know, you're right. Like people should be able to enjoy nature, but um, I do, I do like the idea of, um, you know, why I think workshops are a wonderful resource when it's, when they're conducted by proper stewards, uh, not people who really don't understand or or don't take it very seriously. They're just kind of like, taking people to this place and letting them go off and have a hunky dory time. Yeah. You have a responsibility, Absolutely. you being the instructor. And um, again, I, I, I thought the way you handle your workshops uh, are, it's fantastic. It really is refreshing. Um, I think it's important to kind of show people that this is not, this is not negotiable. Yeah. Um, this is a very real thing. You're here, you know, like, um, I'm bringing you here and, um, you know, you're in my charge and I want you to know that this is very important. And I hope that, it, you know, I make a lasting impression on you. Um, and then you're deputized and you make a lasting impression on your friend, friends yeah. and stuff. So, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, uh, I, I think that's exactly the, the reason why workshops are, uh, part of the solution when they're conducted by people who care, uh, and, any of us who are um, doing workshops regularly um, and, and are going to places, you know, that require permits and that sort of thing, I, th- I think we care. <laughs> you know, right. um, uh, uh, it's rare to find a, a, a workshop, a reputable workshop leader who really doesn't care. I mean, and I, you know, I know a lot of them, and I think mm-hmm. we we do care. And so this idea that um, you know that all of the there are a bunch of you know, people running around doing these sort of um, workshops where they they just don't care. Um, I mean, I, I suppose 
I suppose there are there are those sorts, but um, I I think they're probably the exceptions also. Uh, but at any rate, it it is it's unfortunate if there are people who are running workshops and not taking that opportunity to impress upon people uh, how special these places are and, and how to go about protecting them because it's not that hard to do. And it actually just becomes a rhythm of the workshop, um, especially in places like Death Valley, like uh, where some places need, need a little bit more protection. Um, I, uh, you know, every time we stop at a place, I say, okay, here's the thing. And it's, it's a sort of a safety slash, um, leave no trace little powwow that we do before we go from anywhere far from the cars, <laughs> you know, just, or when, usually when we get to where we're about to enter the area that matters, I'll say, okay, everybody, I, I stop, I get everyone huddle, huddle, huddle. Uh, and they just start to know that that's the rhythm and it becomes this pattern and it impresses upon people that they, they should have that same pattern when they enter into a place. Oh yeah. Well, that's what we do. We stop, we assess, we think about this place. We think about how, you know, not only my own safety, but the safety of the place. How can I protect it too? You know, just, you know, you just kind of get that ingrained in the people. So I think that um, education is absolutely essential and not that difficult to do. So I love um, all of these approaches that people are taking these days to kind of educate people. And one of them is making a big deal about locations uh, being kind of uh, uh, something that you don't share. So uh, some people totally misread that and they see it as uh, hogging information to themselves right. or something. <laughs> but exactly. I think, if, yeah, if it goes on long enough, it'll get, and if, and, and if you get, if it gets to the point where you're not even telling people where Mesa Arch is, <laughs> you know, um, right. it, you know, when you're blasting it, I'm broadcasting it to millions, people will catch on. It just takes time. You know, it would be for me, it, it I, this I'm just being kind of naively optimistic, but it, I would love it, it would it would if you want to talk about something that um, an organization can do to really put a spotlight on this, it, it would be Instagram itself. Mm -hmm. Where even if it like when you tap when you tap the you know add location um, you know field when you create a new post. If it just came up with a little interstitial or a little, you know, a little banner every time that says, you know, tag responsibly, uh, you know, it, are you, you know, something to that effect of like, you know, uh, you know, tagging can lead to, um, you know, unforeseen damn, you know, lasting consequences, and then a little thing like click to learn more. Um, that I mm -hmm. think would be like one of the greatest things if that would uh, an be. annual. Yeah, but they, unfortunately, Instagram will never do that. And um, that's not my cynical side coming out. But it, it just, it is getting to that point where it, it, we can't rely on the platform that is causing this. You know, it's not like Instagram is doing this with any sort of, I don't think, with any sort of nefarious, um, you know, ulterior motives. They're just simply, you know, they believe everything should be shared. Um, and so uh, it would be wonderful to, to see. Um, an evolution or kind of like these, these platforms take a bit more responsibility as to the consequences unforeseen or unforeseen. Um, but I don't know, Aaron, I don't know. I think that's a tall order. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that would be one thing to be nice to see. Another thing that would be nice to see is some way uh, besides just like flagging photos or leaving comments, some way to 
enable people to alert the world to the fact that the photo that they're looking at is showing something that is illegal <laughs> and, or sure. is um, detrimental to the environment, you know? So, um, because there are so many, there are, there are whole accounts that are dedicated to this and they come and go because they get squashed and sued and, you know, it gets really messy um, because, you know, they're basically taking other people's pictures and saying, and wagging a finger at them, you know? <laughs> and so, yep. um, but uh, it would be nice if there would be some way to just alert, put some kind of alert that would, that would actually get out to people. Cause it really uh, does bother me. I see a lot of photos from the Dolomites of tents pitched in places that are, are completely illegal um, or, you know, all sorts of things you see on the internet. Like re recently there was that whole episode of people destroying all of the flowers in California um, you know, so, mm. but Instagram doesn't do anything when, when you're clearly seeing a photograph that shows something that's irresponsible behavior and that's not <laughs> taking care of the environment. In fact, it's damaging it. Um, that should be, that should be kind of on par. Well, maybe not on par with, but I don't know something, you know, if you some other images of other illegal activity. You know, don't they have rules about that? <laughs> right. Well, it, and you're you're 100 right because they do. They'll they'll um, remove and ban accounts that um, share posts that contain like something that's clearly illegal. You know, may, whatever it is. But for some reason, you, you know, pitching a tent in a national park or or a drone shot that was taken over a national park, which is also illegal. Um, you know that that kind of skates by. And there, there's another kind of facet to this that, um, you know, is, is worth mentioning, talking about responsibilities of photographers who share on social media. Um, maybe like, I don't know, call it six months ago, just rounding it up. There was, I follow a, a very, very well-known, very strongly followed um, drone photographer. But he has different, uh, you know, he has regular camera photos as well that he shares. And he once shared this photo um, uh, of Multnomah Falls. Again, very famous falls, but there was a, a girl standing, he had her standing on, there's a, a giant log at the base of the falls. And now there are um, signs and there's a huge fence that says, do not stay on, stay on the trail, do not go anywhere, you know, over the fence state on the trail. And so there's this, this, there's a photo here with thousands and thousands of likes of a model standing at the base and, and um, aesthetically speaking, great you know nice waterfall and there's a model you know another thing that's become completely trite because of instagram but so i went in and i sent i left this you know comment very not a not a, a um, an aggressive comment but a very very terse comment saying i don't know what you're thinking but you you cannot have a photographer there and um and then he came back and i can't remember if it was a private i think it was in a private message that's what it was and he messaged me saying well, I composited her in there. And no, first, of all, first of all, nowhere mm. in the caption or anywhere does it indicate that it was composited. Um, but so that's one thing, like, you know, but the other thing is, to your point, like you, what you're doing is you're fabricating an illegal thing. You're actually going and, um, and, and digitally making your photo represent something that is illegal. It's against regulation. And you have a responsibility there like to ask yourself, like, is this something I should be doing? Um, you know, like is, is my, are my likes worth this? And that's something that I don't, I don't believe photographers really think about. Like, um, 
let's we can take the case of the, the your 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 hikers at the uh, on the wildflowers. Technically, they probably could have just composited tents onto that area but same exact thing you're you're promoting something that some order of magnitude of of people will see that post and like oh that's a great idea i'm gonna go do it yeah so yeah yeah um i actually also had had a kind of long-going sort of argument with um a photographer whose work i respect quite a lot who one day uh put out a photo of a tent and the Dolomites. Two tents, I think it was again. Also lit up, also with the Milky Way in another location that is totally, totally illegal. Um, and he said, um, uh, you know, well, I can't afford to stay in a hut, you know? And I said, you, well, you can afford the Nikon D800, but you can't afford 20 bucks <laughs> for a bunk in a hut, you know? <laughs> anyway, yep. so we had this this long, long argument about that. But uh, eventually, it was a long time before I finally coerced him into taking the photo down because Said, look, what, whatever. It's like, you did this. It was two years ago. But do you have to show the photo? <laughs> you know, does it right. have to sit there on Instagram and, and encourage other people to do the same thing? But you know, all this stuff about even having Instagram have some way to flag or something like that. Even though that's not quite the same thing as like uh, limiting people uh, from the wilderness or or slapping fines on them or something. It's still a sort of a a way of penalizing people. And right. I, and I ultimately don't think that's really, I see why Instagram probably has a massive amount of gray areas there to even deal with, to even like kind of tackle that issue. And I, I get that that is really difficult for them. You know, even a drone shot over a national park, there are some places where you can get permits and there are some shots that could have been taken before those rules were put into place and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, there are always, um, there are always going to be gray areas. So back to the education thing, you know, <laughs> I yep. feel as though that it's just really important. The more that we spread the word that um, this is a big deal and these places need our uh, help, you know, in being, uh, as you put it, deputies. <laughs> um, and there's another side of this. this is a maybe slightly tangential, but I think it's really related. And, and it has to do with Instagram also specifically, which is that, Another thing that we're, we, we shouldn't be encouraging people to do, I wish there was some way as a world we could slow down this, um, this, this uh, emphasis on social media. This, you know, this idea that algorithms uh, will make your images um, visibility decay after about 24 hours such that it drops out of people's streams. They don't see it until it maybe gets revived or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it, it promotes overproduction or high production and people just need or feel the need to, in order to stay visible in order to grow and to get likes and all that, they need to, to find the most expedient method po possible of getting new content out, content, 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 you know, um, and in order to do that, uh, the quick thing you can do is just go hit the spots that everybody hits and go take pictures there. You know, that the known spots that are already, I don't have to go find stuff. I'll just go look at all the tags. And, um, so this stuff is all related, you know, uh, I really like that. Yeah. Um, like I, I, that's a very refreshing approach, um, that I, I don't think I've heard, you know, uh, phrased that particular way you, you make it if the way you described it you could remove social media and put cocaine you know it's like 
<laughs> you could put any any uh, you know abused substance where that that uh, someone with an addictive personality who needs to kind of constantly feed or ride that high. Yep. Um, will will do whatever they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really really good. Um, and it is. You're right. There. <clears throat> it, it. I mean, I don't want to be melodramatic about it, but in some cases, it. it how many times at this point have I seen, and you've seen headlines on one of the photo hubs, like, you know, man falls off Grand Canyon while trying to take selfie or, um, you know, um, stupid YouTubers hop fence at Yellowstone and, um, and, you know, walk towards Grand Prismatic, you know, um, like th- these people, like it, it's a, it's an addiction. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's doubly worse for those people who either already have the taste of some financial success or, or, or notoriety, um, or those who are just obsessed with trying to get it, um, where they, they just need to do it. I really like that, Erin. That's really good. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, I come from an art history background, and so I think about antiquity or the Renaissance, the days when artists might spend an entire year in a single work of art. Uh, and I love that idea that, uh, that you know, that sort of, um, slow birth of something important that you've really invested a lot of yourself into versus social media, which is just the opposite of that. Um, so th- those issues, I think, are a little bit tangential, like I said, but definitely related because it's the fire that's kind of feeding this frenzy of getting images and getting them quickly. And, and, and you know, this, uh, if there were another way, I think it would be to um, have, if there would be, if possible. Remember the days of, you know, even the days of like forums and the early days of social media back when 500 PX was still a thing. Um, mm-hmm. It was all post your best, you know, like right. you, you put right. out your best photo. Nowadays it's just post something. You right. know? <laughs> I need to stay visible. And so it's people just pumping out stuff all the time. Um, and it's unfortunate that that kind of pressure is being put on photographers. Yep. I think that, oh, absolutely. It, it. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I. There was a story, an anecdote I wanted to talk about from my time at Google, but I don't want to because I, I think it's somewhat proprietary, and I don't want to get in trouble for it. But okay. I, I will say that what I will say is that that is something that I, at least in in my experience, was considered like back in the early days of of Google Plus, and you know why ultimately priorities were moved away from. Google Plus and more towards the Google Photos app, which if you under, if you know, that's all about just uploading every photo you have. Just give us every photo you've got, not yeah. like go to Google Plus, you know, we're, and share your best work. And, you know, we, we, they were like one of the first to observe like full resolution and, and uh, color profiles, embedded color profiles and all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it becomes more of a, of a quantity game, not a quality game. And that does you know, that changes some, some, um, switches in the brain for a creative, you know, the, the, like, again, that is why I, I thoroughly enjoy your work and your approach to your work is because every piece, like you said, is this like long birthing process. And you can talk about <laughs> all these different elements. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've always loved, like, just, I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the, um, the aerodynamic, the, the that photo that you you have um, that you presented on um, at the work at the end of the workshop and you talked about 
it's it was not I, I don't believe there was anything any pixel in that frame that did not have some sort of methodology to it and it's one of my favorite <laughs> photos of yours and it, oh, it just goes you. to show yeah yeah i mean this but this is the thing you don't you don't and i'm saying this generally and i, I don't like to typically making blanket statements but it's just not something that i see a lot of photographers do they just kind of plop their camera and they kind of wiggle their the the ball head around until they find something and they're like okay this is good whereas you know like you said more of a classical art approach i mean you're thinking you're looking you're not even your camera's not even turned on it's sitting behind you a few feet and you're just kind of like with your eyes and maybe mm -hmm. then you take your camera with off the tripod and you're just kind of like you know looking for the right height um the right distance the right focal length um, you're looking for color, you're looking for pattern, shape, light, um, tone. Uh, and you're not like, oh, I'll just, you know, bracket this and just, <laughs> just like clone out things or, or it, I don't know. I, I, that's why I said you're a photographer's photographer. And, um, and I really enjoy when you share new work. Um, well, thanks, Brian. <laughs> that means a lot. Okay. It really does. And I appreciate that. And it's not, the, you know, I, I, just to sort of back up a bit, you know, it's not that I uh, don't think it's possible to be highly productive and also do of great work. Of uh, course. Not, certainly not saying that. Uh, it's more so that feeling of pressure. I, I know a lot of people who um, put out photos that they they know isn't their best work. They don't feel like it's their best work. They would, but it, photos that would probably never be made public for, for the entire world to see if it weren't for um, this this pressure of social media being put on them. Yeah, I think it was, um, I, I don't know who it was. It could have been Peter McKinnon, someone or one of those, you know, talking head YouTubers who said something to the effect, and I might be paraphrasing, but like, good enough is better than perfect. Um, oh, well, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good is one of my favorite sayings. I don't right. believe in perfect. I, I don't. I don't think there is such a thing. I don't think that should be anybody's goal. <laughs> right. But um, but I also uh, don't think that you should just be kind of tossing out stuff that, you know, that you don't really care about. Um, and the well, only reason you would, would, yeah. Like, I want, like, I, I go to your Instagram, for example, your feed, which I'm on right now, and you can, you can see your, for lack of better words, that your soul as a photographer through these photos, there's something, can, there's a common thread, even though the subject matter may be vastly different. You can see that there is a certain elegance to each of the photos um, that comes with um, a certain amount of uh, foresight and analysis. Um, so again, to that end, I, I've also kind of moved away from posting. I used to, I definitely, you know, had that compulsion of posting every day or I would, I would schedule a week's worth of posts in advance um, and just to get, you know, to feed the beast. And I've yeah. moved away from that wholly. I'll go weeks without posting and I want to focus on finding a photo that um, represents, you know, me uh, where it, and it's a cohe it becomes a cohesive body of work. So yeah, I I think it's a great way to find yourself is to put a little more um, emphasis on self curation. You know, very very good creative exercise. Um, uh, but also, uh, 
there are just other things that you can do. And I feel as though that if you put all of your emphasis on social media, you are missing opportunities to do other things in life that you may be good at. You know, in my case, um, you know, Instagram, that's only a small slice of the photos that I even have available for people to see. I have a lot more on my website. I put Mm -hmm. a lot more emphasis on that because Instagram's going to go away just like 500px did and just like Google Plus did and just, you know, it's day will come, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we'll always have our websites. So I put more emphasis on that. I'm a writer. I put a lot of emphasis on that. I, I put photos into my articles that are not even on my website. Um, so that, you know, but they're carefully chosen because they fit that article. They're, they're necessary for that article and they're, they're special, you know, or in, in that context, they're special. Um, uh, that, you know, and, you know, I do a lot of public speaking and there mm-hmm. too, I show a lot of photos that nobody has seen before um, because they fit that talk. They illustrate a point, you know, they're important for, <laughs> for that. Right. Um, and well, um, just to be put it bluntly, um, I'm doing okay. I'm a full-time landscape photographer um, who's, you know, making a, a decent living and saving for retirement. So it's not like you have to, um, you know, this whole, this emphasis on social media, uh, which is feeding a lot of these things that are ecologically damaging in the long run, uh, isn't even necessary. You can get by without being a social media photographer. Now there, there are people who that's what they do. And I, and I get that. Um, and a lot of them, I will say, I know a lot of people who are, very, very present, always posting on social media and are just the opposite are just, you know, absolute champions of the environment and are just, you know, the opposite of all things that we think to be evil about Instagram. Um, right. Elizabeth Bertano, is that her name? Is one of them who comes to mind. But, you know, there are a lot of people like that out there. So I'm not saying that it's an either or situation. Absolutely not. But there, there are these tendencies. Yeah. And, you know, just going back to what you were talking about with websites, this is something that, again, let's go back to the workshop. You, me, and Sean uh, were in the the taxi going from one location to the other, and we start talking about, you know, we, we start pulling up our, our Alexa rankings for our websites. We start talking about, like, different SEO best practices. These are things, you know, I don't even, it would be interesting to see just how many people actually have their own websites, you know, and, and um you know, take care to curate and to make sure that things like, um, you know, again, SEO or look at it. It was so nice. I loved it when you brought up, you know, like you started talking about SEO rankings. It's like, <laughs> Whoa, I haven't heard someone talk about that in years. Um, and, and you're hundred percent right. And the, the, you know, 500 PX and Google plus, like these are very salient examples that are in within the past year to 18 months have happened. Um, whereas, you know, our websites, you know, that that is our place, and I I think people have um they've they've I don't know if they've conflated or if they just kind of altogether for, forgotten how important having you know uh, s you know well standing SEO is how much it can do like that's how people people don't go to necessarily Instagram say to look for a workshop they'll go to Google they'll type in um, Dolomite's workshop guess what Aaron's been doing these things for years. So um, it stands to reason that um, because she has all this content, she'll be up there at the top and you click and like, oh man, I love this. Boom. You have a new, a new customer. Instagram, 
the signal to noise ratio is it's it's untenable you can't possibly hope to uh, unless you're like one of those just massive like a chris burkhart type of person who's just kind of you know it just is not it's not possible websites today are one of the last bastions of organic growth mm-hmm. um you cannot do organic growth. What I mean by that is create a new profile on Instagram, start sharing photos, and boom, you've got millions of of followers. Nuh-uh. You have to pay. You have to you have to do yeah. promoted posts and boost posts. So, so Aaron, I mean, I love it. I, you, I, those of you listening, pay attention to what Aaron's saying because it's not. <laughs> she's not wrong. She is not wrong. Um, it sucks, you know, to think like, oh man, I do. I, I don't even have a website. Go get a domain name. Get a website. I don't care where it's hosted, um, but take the time, research what s- search engine optimization is, and just maybe take less time um, sharing all these, you know, posts on Instagram, and, and spend say a, a good a few hours and build one really nice post. Or you want, if you want to see what a really great post should be formatted like, go to photocascadia.com. Look at Erin's stories, her posts. That to me, Erin, like the way you put the, the care you put in the way you format your stories is so wonderful. It's so refreshing because you just don't see that. The um, articles, you mean? The articles, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, Thank and you. for Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and for those of you that are, if you don't know Photo Cascadia, you haven't been living, especially if you're into <laughs> landscape photography. Um, some of the, my favorite landscape photographers, like modern landscape photographers, um, are there and they contribute really helpful information. You don't have to worry. I'm going to, link to all of this, you know, to, to Aaron's articles and to Photo Cascadia, the show notes and the winning photoshow.com. But I mean, Aaron, for, you know, so you've given so much good food for thought here. Um, and, uh, and I, I sincerely thank you for it because um, it's well, needed. Giving me, hearing me out, giving me the opportunity. Uh, it's something that uh, I talk about every chance I get. And a lot of people who are hearing this, who know me have probably heard half of what I've said here before, <laughs> but, but I'm just going to keep saying it. Yep. And uh, I'm going to do my part to spread the word. So, um, I mean, Aaron, of course, again, everyone, if you go to nonamephotoshow.com in the show notes, I'm going to link to all of Aaron's uh, relevant websites, but do you want, is there anything, are there any specific workshops or anything that you want to talk about for people to know? Yeah, I just had a cancellation, last minute cancellation in my summer Dolomites workshop that's uh, happening the first week of uh, July. And that's with co-leader Chip Phillips of Photo Cascadia. So there's an opportunity for someone right there. Um, And also anybody who's going to be in the Los Angeles area. um, uh, Gosh, I can't remember the exact date. I think it's the 22nd or 21st of May, but that's coming right up in two or three weeks, three weeks here. Um, I will be speaking uh, for Canon there um, at the Experience Center. So hope people will come on out for that too. And uh, uh, definitely, can... uh, yeah, oh, and definitely look out for my new workshop schedule because that, that'll be coming out. Yeah, and I, and I will, I'll link to the specific Summer Dolomites workshop and the, um, the, your presentation at the, at the Canon Center. Perfect. And um, for those, I mean, I was one of the people who filled one of uh, Aaron's kind of last minute cancellations for her winter Dolomites right, workshop. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you're, if you can, um, do it. And, and I'm not just saying that because the Dolomites are beautiful, but as someone who's been, who's now kind of like an official alumni of one of Aaron's <laughs> workshops, I'm telling, I, I, the way you handled the workshop 
it was so well orchestrated. And, and I mean, I don't know how, how else to say, but like, there was nothing that was out of place. Like we, we got to where we needed to go. There was some, there was transportation there. We had, and granted this summer and winter are very different beasts. And I definitely want to do the summer one. But for those of you listening, if you have the opportunity, I promise you, you will not be disappointed um, with the subject matter as well as with just uh, learning from Aaron and Chip. Uh, so, so get that spot. Thanks <laughs> um, <laughs> for that, Brian. Yeah, of course. Um, Aaron, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for, um, for again, for imparting your, your uh, knowledge and your wisdom. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait uh, for, to see you again. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I hope so, too. And back at you, Brian. Always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Great. Well, um, everyone, thank you so much again. Uh, to learn more about Aaron, just head over to the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. And I will see you again for episode 56. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Name Photo Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com and be sure to subscribe in whichever app you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss a beat. Let's do this again next time. 